Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Hello, Guilty Feminists, and welcome to this latest Culture Club special episode. Sky's new six-part comedy drama, Funny Woman, written by Morwenna Banks, based on the novel by Nick Hornby, is the story of Barbara Parker, played by Gemma Arterton, who goes searching for her identity in London in the mid-1960s. Winning Miss Blackpool means nothing to Barbara, who has always been more excited about comedy than glamour, but getting past the establishment gatekeepers is harder than she imagined. We are thrilled to have on The Guilty Feminist... The star of Funny Woman, it's Gemma Arterton. Hello. Yay. Hello. Thanks, guys. It's good to be back. Oh, it's an absolute delight to have you, especially with this very guilty feminist show, because it's got a lot of my lovely and more guilty stuff, which is, oh, my God, the costumes. And there are some very handsome (laughs) men in this. And then on the other side, it's about a woman who's breaking through in the 60s in a quite madman way in this really seminal time and breaking boundaries in, and then something that I love so much, which is comedy. So did you... We basically you, my, made it for you, Deborah. We that were like, was my first question. What would Deborah want in a show? Let's do this. Yeah. That was very much my first question. Did you <laughs> did you design this show? Am I the viewer? Like, And then you everyone are... else just has to watch it. <laughs> Yeah, you are the target audience. You are it. (laughs) Excellent. Well, it's really worked on me because I was sent the whole series as a sneak peek because I am so lucky. Uh, I feel I do feel very lucky when I get those kinds of things. I'm like, oh my god, Um, this is amazing. (laughs) And because I've I'm doing a couple of writers rooms at the moment. I'm very busy. I was like, I I might not have time to watch it all, so I'll just watch the first two episodes and then I'll cut to the end. So I've got. well, I am afraid, uh, listener, I was unable to do that. I binged the whole thing. It was as if someone had given me a tug of hug and ice cream and said, well, you could just have the top bit if you want. And then they <laughs> left and they shut the door and they just left me in there with a spoon. Obviously, I had it all. It was gorgeous. Oh, really, good. really gorgeous. I'm glad you gorged on it. I did. I really, really did. And I, it, there was no element of it that was doing my homework. Sometimes there are shows where you're like, I should watch this because it's, you know, it's important. Yeah. And oh, this was, mm, this was absolutely delicious. Um, what, because I noticed it was your production company. 
Rebel Park. Yes. So yes. did you find the source material in this Nick Hornby novel and say, hey, I want to do this and I want to produce and I want to be the, uh, this this lead character of uh, Sophie Straw slash Barbara Parker? I did. And um, unfortunately, I was pipped to the post by <gasps> another production company called Potboiler. So they bought the rights. I'd tried to get them and they'd got them. And I thought, oh, well, good Good riddance to you then. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck with that. And then you, you had a very generous response of going, I'm sure you'll do a wonderful job with that. As I long did. as someone's making up, that's the main thing you that, thought. That, that's what I thought. But then a few years later, or a couple of years later, I got sent a pilot episode. And they said, Look, we've done this with this amazing writer called Moana Banks. And we want you to play Barbara and also will you co-produce it with us and I was like uh yes yes and yes and you also did the hardest bit which is find the writer mm. um and they nailed it actually with finding Moena who is That's the incredible. kind of dream really isn't it because you got to be able to produce it but they had done some of that harder development stuff and I love Moena <laughs> yes. she's a fantastic and writer but yeah she, she also plays uh, a brilliant character in this. Uh, yes. Th- of the, it's, it's sort of the producer's wife slash assistant. It's that's it's quite sixties. Uh, yeah. As much as she's the, uh, but she of course is also the driving force in that office. Um, in the way that yes. women had to be very clever and careful about how they led. Yes. They had to often lead as if they weren't leading. And uh, she's a brilliant character. I I loved seeing her um, on screen in it. So what drew you to the source material? Like when you first read the novel and before you were making voodoo dolls of the people who had had annoyingly uh, got in there and got the rights, but fortunately uh, later wanted to collaborate with you, what was it about the book where you went, ah, I want to do this? First and foremost, it was the character of Barbara Parker because you know, there was something about her and her, where she comes from, who she is, how she is, that spoke to me. So that was the main thing. Um, But also about how comedy is written and how it's made. And and, um, the book goes into that in quite great detail. Um, uh, Obviously, our show does as well, but it's a little bit more kind of Barbara's life. But I've always been really interested in how stuff's made and how stuff comes about especially comedy and you know often it's ridiculous mad hap stuff where people are just kind of throwing themselves around being doofuses and and then this amazing kind of piece of comedy comes out and how it's actually quite technical and um how things are honed and and all of that and so it just it spoke to me in in a way um uh, so both the creative inter- side and the gender side of uh, the yeah. this young woman breaking through and and also just being I thought what was interesting about it was that she was she was quite clear about the direction she wanted her career to take and at that point women were often relegated to giving the straight line in a low cut top and yeah. she says well I don't want to do that I don't I want to be the funny one and and there's this great scene where your character, Barbara Parker, who by now her stage name is Sophie Straw, is auditioning. She's talked her way into an audition past a gatekeeper by fibbing, which, I mean, we've all, I mean, I certainly have done that kind of thing at times. <laughs> you just think, well, if I really want this, I'm going to have to go for it. And yeah. 
And it is a better climate now for women, for sure. But when I started out in comedy, I mean, it might as well have been the 60s, to be honest. It was very recognisable territory for me. Um, And she breaks through, she gets in, she comes to audition, but she doesn't have the sides. She doesn't really know what the material is because she hasn't been prepared because she's she's talked her way into something she knows is happening. And so she just has to improvise. And I thought the way that you uh, did all of those funny voices and bits of physical comedy and you were so allowed yourself to be goofy and uh, I mean, your character's very pretty, but you she allowed herself to not be pretty in that moment, to not be demure and to be all of the things. And it really turns the heads of the people auditioning her, the men auditioning her, let's be honest. But it also, watching as an audience, you go, oh, okay, I see why it's not enough for her to be glamorous. She starts out as Miss Blackpool and she's just not enough. It's just like this isn't what I want to get out of bed for. And I really loved that scene. Was that fun for you doing something that was so physically comedic and, you know, casting off ideas of femininity and beauty and glamour? Yeah. I mean, it's like what I've always wanted to do, but it was so fun doing it that day. That day was day one of the first day of the shoot. And, um, and sort of had 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 a bit of rehearsal time with the actors, but they didn't know what I was going to do in the audition. And neither did I, to be honest. And you know what it's like. You do the first one, it's a bit tame, and then you do another take, and then you go for it a bit more. And then by the fifth take, you're like, you know, you're completely all over the place. <laughs> and it was so fun. And I remember that day, I it was the first day I'd, you know, been on set wearing the wig and the hair and the makeup and the eyelashes and the you know, the, the tight dress and the cinched in waist. And it just felt like such a juxtaposition to be able to be completely goofy and stupid and silly and um, and yet be in this sort of ridiculous, like very glamorous look. And it, it was really fun to do both of those things at the same time. And so that some of that of, was improvised, that, that, that you did in the yeah, audition? Yes, yeah. And I remember seeing Leo Bill and Matthew Beard who play the two writers of the comedy show the the two comedy writers in it I remember doing it and they were like what the fuck is she doing like (laughs) (laughs) but in a kind of also like a oh oh this this is what this as actors they were going oh this is what this show is oh okay right we're gonna we're gonna go that we're gonna be silly and we're gonna gonna go there and it was really fun. Do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of me teaching you improvisation at RADA. <laughs> I'm sure, Deborah. It, it did. actually helped because there was a lot of. I one of the reasons why I, you know, I love my favorite scenes in the show are all the rehearsal scenes, and they're coming up with ideas, and they're just riffing, and they're trying to hone these things, and a lot of it is like our improvised classes at RADA when you'd be like, I suck and I love to fail and, you know, yes and. And you got to kind of go with it and make a fool of yourself and then move on from that and then, or maybybe that will inform the right thing. And that that was what it was like when we were shooting. There were a lot of times in rehearsals where I do things that were so terrible. I mean, God, awful. But we'd move on from it and, you know, and I think it's so invaluable um, what you taught us at RADA. Really, really, really helped me on this. That's actually lovely to hear. And I I had sort of 
forgotten that I took because we have a relationship now beyond that. Um, yeah. I should probably explain to listeners years before the Guilty Feminist, I taught improvisation at RADA, which, if you're listening internationally, is the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. And uh, I had a mantra that I had, in fact, I think learned from my uh, improv teacher, Patty Styles, that I suck and I love to fail, but you have to say it in a really happy way so that you just yeah. release all that energy. And I'd sort of forgotten that's how we'd met until I watched this because, you know, we've done other things together and socialised together and done podcasts together. And and I suddenly went, oh, my God, this has just had a flash of you <laughs> at drama school and me teaching. I'd sort of forgotten I taught at RADA almost. It was so long ago. Um and I went, oh, my God, this is we suck and we love to fail. It's is- basically the whole thing is we suck and it could have another title, which is I suck and I love to fail. <laughs> but it was definitely my mantra when I was making this because there were so many things that I had to do that, you know, especially with the physical comedy stuff where, you know, you have to go there. You have to try. Uh, sometimes it will work. Sometimes it won't. And and the only way of finding it is by making loads of mistakes and sucking and failing. Sucking um, and failing. It just, it's, <laughs> do you know why I think all women should have to learn to improvise almost and or, and people of minority genders is, is that we are constantly messaged with, you've got to get it right. It's got to be perfect. If you're in any way, and of course there are other intersections there in play in terms of race and disability and gender expression and displacement and so on if you're somebody who's being told you better be good because otherwise yeah if you if you show any mediocrity it reflects on your whole gender or your whole race it's so empowering to go no you can come in with the mantra I suck and I love to fail because actually it's staying good natured when things go wrong that's the very essence of liberation that makes people go oh as long as you don't beat yourself up you don't look like that was a failure you look like this is a playful process yeah and you just move on and it informs the thing that eventually will be the 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 right thing it's just as valid as finding the best thing it's just as important but we do you're right I mean especially I mean as women we, we got to go in there and nail it you know um but that's not often the way to find finding things, you, you know, um, definitely. So it's such a valuable tool. So thank you. I really was impressed by it. I just thought you were so credible as this iconic comedy legend. Which is, <laughs> it's is what you're is you're, you're playing. We watch. We're meant to be seeing the the young years where this iconic comedy legend clearly, when she's older, that's what she's going to be is formed. And I was like, no, this is really plausible. This is really believable. And uh, we're seeing that vulnerability behind, but she just gets out there and that's, you know, she's obviously scared and she's obviously got, you know, steep psychic wounds from the past, but she just comes out and sells it and is running rings around the boys. And there's something wonderful about that. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There were other something else I wanted to ask you about because I haven't read the book. And this uh, show did look, examine the intersections of race um, with the character of Dennis Mahindra. And I looked it up and Dennis in the book is not uh, a British South Asian man. He's a, a, I think a Caucasian British man. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Is that something that you, that you introduced because you felt it would be um, uh, a dated piece without an examination of what was happening in the sixties with race? Yes. And also just a really, again, really interesting territory to explore. Um, He has a lot of things that he's fighting against um, as a British South Asian man at that time working in the arts. Um, And he has to kind of fight against that. Um, He plays a director and producer of the the sitcom that we make and he has to go up against that's something that he has resist he faces resistance from the tvc which is like you know the tv studio that is producing the show and but which, also which is, we want, of, is that meant to be the bbc but you're not saying yeah, it's the bbc because you're on sky okay yeah <laughs> that's what i kept wondering i kept going have they said this is the bbc it's just a sort of nebulous they keep talking about the other side, which in those days yeah. meant ITV didn't. ITV, didn't, didn't, yeah. Yeah, I could. It was just <laughs> a, bit, a lot it was of that. A bit nebulous. If you're listening, BBC, it's not about you. No, you're also vain. Not. I bet you think this establishment British network in the 1960s is about you. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, you know, there's like TVC Centre, which is a 1960s building in West London, um, which we allude to. You know, it's it's obviously mm-hmm. meant to be the BBC. But um, no, I think it was important to us, um, not only because, you know, in this day and age, we should always have as many people from different backgrounds in all work that we do, but um, but also just in terms of his connection with Sophie, um, Barbara Sophie, in that they are both outsiders, they're both fighting against something that's a sort of a, a thing that they can connect on, whether it's... Um, a known connection or not it's it's a it's a subconscious thing but they they both have that um so he's a, um, he's played by Asha Ali who is he is a he's brilliant really terrific compelling actor brilliant uh, and a very handsome leading man if you don't mind me saying I'm a feminist but um it's so true I also love the storyline of Diane who was yeah. I looked this up and 
this is a true story. Uh, it's obviously fictionalised, but uh, she plays um, a young black journalist who becomes a TV presenter uh, yeah. in the 60s. And when Enoch Powell comes yes. on that network, um, he actually says, I don't want her in the studio. And yeah. I was like, this seems very early. This seems like maybe a later story imposed. It's not. It happened in the 60s. Yeah, it did. And there, yeah, it's based on a, a real person and a lot of what is in the show is um, sort of loosely based on what happened to her at the BBC at the time. And yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, in the 60s, she was the first black um, journalist to be on air and the amount of I mean the the amount of abuse that she would get um, from shocking yeah. viewers writing in and 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 saying you know get her off the, our telly and all of that stuff and then the Enoch Powell interview which is just awful which everyone if you want to watch it it's him sort of talking about um, race and immigration that's real and, isn't it that's and that's, that's real that's the real and that's, interview yeah yes yeah and we and so you've superimposed you've, her in. A bit like Mad Men. I mean, it's 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 lighter than Mad Men. It's funnier than Mad Men. It's more yeah. playful and joyful than Mad Men. But with those elements of you know, race relations in the sixties, it's very well done. I thought. Yeah, and it was important to us that because as much as the sixties was a great time of change and amazing things were happening for so many people, like the sexual revolution and all these cultural things that were happening, and it was also a really a, a really awful time as well for so so many you know so many things that were going on especially race relations and you know so it was really important in the show that we we touch on it I mean it's you know it's also it's also about making a sitcom but but that's what also was going on in comedy at that time is that um you know these these voices from especially working class or voices were starting to come through Peter Cook, Dudley Moore, um, uh, till till death do us part. That show, um, it just you know, the, it was changing the landscape of comedy, and um, it was important for us to show a little bit of the kind of what was going on socially at the time in the show. How race relations and gender politics, and also um, gay rights, all gay intersected rights. in comedy. How people yeah. were trying to just imply things because of course you couldn't yeah. have a gay character but what you're we're able to see in this show is that you can imply and you can wink at the camera and yeah. those who need to see that or feel that see it and feel it and those who would otherwise complain the mary whitehouse effect the mary um, whitehouse effect exactly yeah, yeah mary whitehouse being if you're a young listener or you're from abroad and you don't know about mary whitehouse she was a um a an advocate for uh, morality on the television and in theatre and film. And uh, her catchphrase was basically ban this filth. Uh, and so you're working, it, it, this sort of great social change will always have pushback. Um, and it's it's wonderful to see how you've woven all of these threads together and you've still got this gorgeous, lovely story about a young woman finding herself and finding love and the beauty of the 60s and the costumes and the nightclub scene, that's that sequined outfit you wear in that nightclub. Oh, yeah. Oh. I know, wasn't that fun? There was a lot of sequins that day. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was I'm a feminist, but I just, I want to be- I just love a sequin. In the 60s, in go-go <laughs> boots, in a sequined, silfy number, dropping acid, just for one yeah. night. Just drop just me back. Just for the night. 
Um, that's for one night. And uh, which is, of course, what you get to do as an actor. I mean, I know it's yeah. not really like that because you've got to stand around and wait for ages and then people keep shouting cut and make you do it from a different angle. So it's not really just like letting your hair down. But there is the fantasy of it. Um, when, yeah. Is there any hope of a second series or is that story done now? No, there's major hopes for a second season. And Ooh. we're actually in the process of writing bits of it at the moment and kind of working out what happens. And um, so hopefully if enough people enjoy this first one and see it, um, then we will go for a second. But um, that is the plan, yes. Well, Ooh. I really recommend, I think if you enjoy The Guilty Feminist, you're really going to love it. Um, there's so much guilt. There's so much feminism. Do you have any guilty feminist moments, <laughs> any I'm a feminist butts from making this series? Uh, anything that you can remember about fun times? Yeah, it may, mainly to do with the how extra the hair was on some, oh. especially some of my, um, and how obsessed I became with like, Oh, making my hair look amazing. <laughs> and hours spent in the makeup chair, just like playing around and doing ridiculous hair and makeup. And um, well, I'm a famous part. I did. I really appreciated a story where we saw somebody come onto her period due to anxiety and white trousers. Uh, and I also did spend quite a lot of time ogling the beautiful 60s updos. Um, so tune in, you will not be sorry. Uh, you will also see Rupert Everett as you've never seen him before playing, uh, an, (laughs) an an aging agent. Um, very, very, very funny performance. There are some really gorgeous performances in this. It's, it'll be the right mix for you. If you love the guilty feminist of joyful, naughty, sexy, fun, uh, beautiful aesthetic loveliness and also some real feminist themes coming through. It stars the wonderful Gemma Arterton. It has been written by the incredible Morwenna Banks. Gemma, we've got to finish now. Love you lots. Oh, thank you. Really love what you're doing. Barbara is ever so slightly provincial. Uh, how about uh, Sophie Straw? I was born in Blackpool and I came to London to be someone. Anyone in particular? My dad says that actresses are no better than common prostitutes. Is your dad a vicar from Victorian times? Hello. You lot don't look like how I imagined. I thought you'd all be tweedy posh lads with pipes. Boys hope to find someone like you. Comedy-wise. Obviously. This isn't going to last forever. Make the most of what you've got while you've got it. God knows there'll soon be another young girl coming up behind you, prettier and bigger. I've never met anyone like you. Are you telling me you actually want to act? Well, I will send you out on some auditions with words. No bikinis. Yet. Ever.